You're listening to Drawing the Line. I'm Roman McCutcheon. And I'm Brad Reeves. And today we're going to talk about biblical morality. There's so much to talk about here. Roman, I'm thinking this might be part one of two. Well then, let's get started. Episode six. It's it's always interesting to, like, I know that that's how I start. I've started like every episode is just saying which number that we're on, and it's every time I say a, a different number, it's always like, oh my gosh, we've made it. We're one step closer to becoming podcast famous. We're we're inching closer to double digits. Yeah, <laughs> so close. Because once you hit ten, you're basically a professional. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> we got to make it through six first. Right. Well, we both did get haircuts this week. Yeah. Um, I have basically no hair. Um, it was not coordinated. It was not. Um, but I like yours. You look suave. Oh, like thanks. James Bond esque. This was an outside haircut. I got a haircut on my parents' back porch. Oh, solid. And it was a beautiful afternoon and mm. even got a beard trim. Wow. wow. I'm look, raring to go. Looking sharp. <laughs> looking real sharp. Um, just like the debates we're going to have on morality. <laughs> You see that segue? It was incredible. <laughs> sure. Sharp, sharp debates on let's do it. So I say debates like I think we're really going to have some crazy disagreements. I don't necessarily think that, but I do think, you know, if, if there is going to be something that, you know, people really disagree with, it would be morality or biblical morality or, 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 or that thought in general, just because it sometimes feels like a loose term. Well, and I almost feel like this is this isn't episode number one, but this is possibly the perfect topic for a drawing the lines oh, podcast. Yeah. Absolutely, because morality is something um, is just a topic a topic where um, you know people certainly have drawn lines, very sharp lines over the years, mm-hmm. and. And if you start, you know, maybe in some of these other areas where we've talked about erasing lines or moving lines, I'm not sure that there's anything that will get Christians more nervous than if you start talking about erasing lines or moving lines with respect to morality, mm-hmm. especially if we're talking about biblical morality or, yeah. or, or Bible-based morality. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get into all that. Yeah, so I guess to start, we should probably consider, you know, is there a set standard? What are we looking at when we're considering morality? Are we on the, the the spectrum of everything is relative? Are we, you know, are we on the side of the Bible is the only thing that you need? Is it sort of a, a mix of several different things? What do we, Brad? What, what when you consider maybe yourself when you're on this line of of deciding on morals? Where where would you think your leanings are? Well, I think I have to start. Uh, subjectively with morality in the sense that I I want to acknowledge my view, what it is, where it's from, what informs it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's what I mean by subjective. Like, I don't want to start from the premise that whatever's going to come out of my mouth, because I, I think this is one of the problems with anytime anybody talks about morality. Yeah. A lot of people just want to close their ears and their eyes and everything and like, Mm -hmm. you know, just stop, just stop. Because people 
start out from the premise that whatever they say, um, they're just laying down truth. We've talked about this before. They're oh, just yeah. laying down biblical truth. And mm-hmm. so, no, I don't have any personal morality. I just say what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. So we'll get there. But I would say for me personally, you know, morality is um, is a sense, a sense of, of what is right and what is wrong that that I have developed over time. And it is based on many different factors, the Bible being a, you know, a, perhaps a linchpin or a cornerstone of, of that in my experience. And certainly I'll acknowledge, you know, a certain interpretation of the Bible, Sure, you know, something again, we, we've talked about in the past, right. but also, you know, just, uh, we've talked about experience too, but my own experience, um, and, and family, uh, friends, teachers, mentors, um, parenting. There's all sorts of things that have uh, fed into, you know, my view of morality or my view of, of what's right and what's wrong a- as I see it. Mm-hmm. And, and then I guess, you know, that, that's one piece and, and, and that's personal. And then if we want to try to move that into, well, how do I see that applying to sort of other people around or the greater world around us? Yeah. That's almost a whole different discussion. Right. And so I, I think maybe it makes sense for us to start there with us personally and what informs our own moral code, personal moral code. Yeah. I And I, I completely agree because if, if we don't, you know, or if we're not open and honest about us, we can't, how can we expect anybody to really have an understanding of where we're coming from? And so I, I, I mean, this may be the first time that I think that we maybe have sort of a, a, a disagreement or disagreement seems so negative, but like maybe we're just, we have different views on sure. it. Um, I, I would base, I mean, basically my entire morality off of the Bible. Um, and and, and I mean, I don't know, I'm a minister. My dad was a minister. I grew up in the church and it seems like the thing that I was taught my whole life and, or yeah, no, I'll say that. That's kind of what I was taught my whole life. You right. base, you base everything that is right and wrong and then how you respond to that, um, off of what the Bible tells you. Right. And obviously there is interpretation. We talked about that. We talked about how there's, there's different ways to do it. And you know, there are, you know, you're going to go to a, a different denomination down the road and they're going to tell you that they are also a biblical congregation. I mean, like, that's not anything new. That's what we've, we've already discussed that. I would say, though, that my, though I, I do learn from experience and I do learn from from others, I would say that if I were to give myself a, a set standard on morality, I would have to and only use the Bible if I wanted to do it the right way. Um, and I'm not saying that you're not saying that. I, I don't, th- I think that you're, you, you are saying that well, In I don't. I, I would say uh, I. I don't think I am saying that. And let me. And let me add. Cause okay. You, good. You, All right. I'm yeah, okay with let's, that. Let's let's lean into this. Uh, I guess you know, like you said, different perspectives, disagreement. One thing that you you triggered and reminded me about that um, that I would say also impacts me is culture yeah. and society. Um, and you know, just given my context, the evolution of American society. Mm -hmm. Uh, So here's where I guess I run into problems uh, with saying that my my morality just comes from the scripture. I think it's because there are teachings in the scripture Mm -hmm. that are 
moral teachings in the sense that there are certain activities that are permitted, certain activities that are, are, are condoned or in, in some cases commanded. Mm -hmm. And I don't agree with those. And, and I would, you know, we can get into some of these examples, but I would say, you know, you probably don't agree with those either. Okay. And so what I'm trying to do when I say I'm not just using the scripture is I'm trying to be transparent in the fact that there are certain uh, teachings in the scripture, there, there's things that can be taken from the scripture uh, that because I don't follow them, I just want to be honest that I'm not following them. And so I'm obviously letting something else override that. Sure. What, what's overriding it? Is it, is it my own, uh, you know, experience? Is it culture? Is it what I've learned by watching, you know, friends, family, what I've been taught from mentors? Is it from other religions? Is it from, you know, what, what is it? We get really dangerous. Right. I mean, just let me throw out some examples. So I'm sure. not just talking in the abstract. No, you're good. Um, but you know, let's, let's say, because let me just start with the ones that are in the new Testament. Sure. Because I think if we go to the Old Testament, there's just a multitude of things that we can focus on and we can, you know, point to a, a couple of examples. But how about uh, polygamy, for instance, as I think is a, an example, or, or slavery, okay. uh, right? So if you look at the New Testament, um, you certainly don't have uh, examples of, of polygamy. There, there's only, as far as I know, there's only two, there's only two scriptures that don't even directly touch on polygamy in the New Testament, but they they mention you know when you're talking about selecting and appointing deacons and elders, right? Um, you know, a couple of different scriptures that talk about the those those people being husbands of one wife, right? As opposed to husbands of multiple wives, I guess. But there's there's no teaching against polygamy in the New Testament, whereas when you when you go through the entire Old Testament, we have examples of you know, the patriarchs, you know, who had not just multiple wives, but also, you know, slept with handmaids and um, Solomon, right? We had 700 wives and concubines. I think, <laughs> I think it was 300 wives and 400 concubines. I always mix up the 300 and the 400. Just a, I, just a few. I think I'm right about King David, man after, after God's own heart, I think had around seven wives. And the way they knew that David um, was about to die is that they, they, Again, I'm not making this up. According to scripture, they they threw a virgin in bed with him. You know, which I guess at that day and time would have been a teenage girl into bed with the king. And basically, when he didn't do anything with her, they were like, "He's not long for this world." Right. So we have examples throughout scripture of, I would say, um, behavior that you and I would probably agree is morally repugnant. Sure. Not acceptable. It's illegal when I'm talking about society and culture in American society, maybe not every society, right, in the yeah, world, yeah, yeah. but yeah. It, it's illegal. Um, I think slavery is another great example of something that was, uh, you know, permitted, um, even commanded in the mm -hmm. Old Testament and even in the New Testament. You know, we could get into real, might even, might even warrant an entire episode to talk because it's very interesting, not just slavery, but I would say Christian apology for slavery in the relatively recent past of the United yeah. States oh, is a yeah. very interesting topic. But, the, you know, I think the takeaway here is just that you have something, uh, you know, where you have instructions uh, for slaves uh, to essentially obey their masters and to, 
you know, if they're able to get their freedom, okay. If they're not, you know, just fo follow your, your masters, even, you know, bear up under mistreatment. And in, in other words, you have a teaching that, you know, certainly can be read, I think without being twisted too much to say that there is nothing particularly amoral right. about slave or immoral about slavery. So to me, those are just sort of two screaming examples mm -hmm. of ways in which society and culture has developed in such a way. Um, and then, then we're all in agreement that those that it would be um, immoral for us to take on slaves. Yeah. Right. Yeah, sure. And or, or to take on other wives, it wouldn't be very popular with our current wives. Yeah, my wife either. would not. My wife would not like that. Okay, so I wouldn't either. I should probably say it. I would not. <laughs> no, I would, no, no. I would not of course, never forget about it. But my point is that I don't think you can point me to somewhere in Scripture that that proscribes that. Um, so anyway, that's. I know that was very long winded, <laughs> but I'm just trying to explain where I'm coming from when I say that. I think that, uh, you know, and of course, we've talked about a, a number of different parts of the scripture where we do follow, we do follow the moral rules and the, we do right. follow the, the, the codes that are, that are laid out. So how would you respond to sort of those examples? Are those just sort of like outliers? And it's like, well, you know, as long as we, we, we should follow 98% of it, but yeah, that's the 2% we don't follow. Right. Well, I'm, I'm not going to like try to ignore it. I mean, I think that that's not, that doesn't help anybody really. If you sit there and like, well, I like this part of the Bible, but that part doesn't really speak to me. So I'm out. Um, and so I'm not going to try to sit here and say that I think slavery is okay. And that we should just go marry as many people as we want. Um, I'm not into that. However, I do think that there are, um, there is scripture that I think falls into the idea of, and this is for slavery in particular, um, the idea of humility and the idea of the least of these um, will be the first. And I'm not trying to condone slavery and then, oh, well, they were slaves. So that means that they'll, you know, have their glory in heaven and, you know, good for them. I mean, it is good for them. Right. But that's not I'm not trying to say that we could just have slaves now so that they have an opportunity to go to heaven. Well, um, it was, I mean, in, in many ways, it was a reality of the society that they were in. Right, yeah, and that's right. where I was going to go, is that, like, at the time, the people, the, the men that are writing this, who are not perfect, um, are writing within themselves. Like, they, they, they can only, they only know, you know, language in a certain sense because it's what they understand and what they've been taught and, and the society and the culture in which they live. So when they're trying to explain things, when they're trying to, I think, do their, like, genuinely do their best to reach people in their in their society in their culture they they have to use wordage and they have to talk about specific things for the examples to make sense for people to accept it and acknowledge it in that time but when the holy spirit uh, you know if, if it's inspired if the writing is inspired wouldn't the holy spirit be able to lift them out are you saying the holy spirit is constrained and not able to lift them out of their current circumstances and they're sort of limited by their own uh, vision of, of what's culturally acceptable and and what's culturally uh, what what what's culturally relevant or current for them. Well, I think uh, and when 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 I hear that, I think about when um, was it John that was describing heaven, 
and he's using things like streets of gold and, and I'm not saying that there aren't streets of gold in heaven, but right. like, what does he understand? What, what he knows what gold looks like. He understands right. that, Oh, it's, there's all these, you know, these gyms and it's shiny and there's all these things. Right. I mean, does that necessarily mean that's exactly what heaven is like? Not necessarily. Is he receiving whatever from the Holy spirit? Yeah, absolutely. I think he is, but like he still can only understand so much right. as a human, right. you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're limited. And as, as, as much as I hate to say that about myself, right. But like we're limited to a, to a certain degree of error, and, um, and so, no, I, I think the, the Holy spirit is there for, for, I don't know, moral guidance. And, and, and actually I kind of want to talk about the, yeah. the Holy spirit at some point, but, um, I have a feeling this is going to turn into a two-parter, but I'm glad, um, <laughs> I, I like it. I, I think that, um, the Holy spirit can, can push you to an extent or push you to, to a point, but at, at the end of the day, you still have to make those decisions and those decisions are based off of what you know um right you said we're, we're, we're limited by our our circumstances to yeah. a certain extent i mean because there's a, a little bit of a distinction between the inspired writers being limited and us being limited um i i guess you know for me when i'm thinking about biblical morality you know i look back at the old testament and you know you see the the israelites uh, whether or not the, 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 the Jewish people at this point, they, mm-hmm. they're coming into Israel out oh, yeah. of Egypt, right? Yeah. Out of slavery. And that is when, you know, Moses hands down the Ten Commandments. So you want to talk about sort of the original oh, yeah. moral code. Yeah. You have the Ten Commandments. I do find it interesting, though. I, I don't know that we think about this a whole lot, but with the patriarchs and all the way through Genesis, all the way up till that point in Exodus, we don't really have moral instruction mm-hmm. as such, at least not like it's laid out, uh, not like it's laid out in the 10 commandments and not right. like it's laid out in all of the Judaic law that comes that we get in, in, in Exodus yeah. and Deuteronomy and Leviticus, mm-hmm. all of that law. So, but at the same time you have stories about, uh, you know, around the time of the flood, certainly you see what happens with Cain and Abel. We, we mentioned that you know, oh, yeah. there's, there's murder that occurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I, the, the 10 commandments didn't exist at that point, right? but it was very clear that that was wrong. You know, your, your brother Abel's blood cries out to me from the ground. Yeah. God says, so that seems to have been wrong, even though there were you know, the 10 commandments, it wasn't, I guess, against the law yet because there, mm-hmm. there wasn't a law. And then you had, I mentioned Noah and the flood. You, 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 the scripture says that people had turned away and, and people had become morally depraved. And that's sort of what, yeah. what, uh, you know, instigated mm-hmm. the flood and, and God regretting that he'd ever created humanity. So, I guess my point is just this, is that even in the evolution of the scripture, it's like we have to move through historical time according to the scripture before you even get to these articulated laws. Yeah. And in, in the, that's where we get, you know, do not steal, do not kill, do not commit adultery, do not bear false, false witness, right? Yeah. We get all these very very sort of black and white rules. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it, keep it holy. But 
I guess what I would what I so there, there's there's a de- clear development there mm-hmm. from from Genesis to there. I guess one thing that I want to plant a seed for us to think about as we're thinking about the arc of Scripture and we're thinking about what is biblical morality, what is Bible-based morality, is that there does seem to be a direction to the Scripture. Yeah. Right. There's. It seems to be, in in my opinion, to be moving in a certain direction, mm-hmm. and I, there's some examples of that. But and and maybe it starts, um, or, or at least the the first formal iteration of that is in is in the Ten Commandments, where right. we have all these specific rules where thou shalt not. I mean, it doesn't get yeah, right. much more black and white than thou shalt not. Yeah. And and. And having an understanding that 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 there is a direction that that scripture over time, I don't know. It's it's hard for me to say that I think that the scripture evolves much as as much as I think that like we evolve with a greater understanding of what scripture is trying to tell us. Well, but sometimes it. I mean, it literally does. Where you have uh, you have s- some of the laws. If you look at the laws, speaking of slavery in the Old Testament. The, the laws actually evolve and change and become uh, less and less oppressive oh, yeah. over time chronologically. Yeah. So I guess that's what I mean by evolve. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So like you can see how, you know, by the time you get to, by the time you get to the, you know, intertestamental period, the instructions and laws you have regarding slaves are much, even though they're still slavery, yeah. they are not nearly as harsh Mm-hmm. as the initial laws that you have. So you see some development in the scripture itself. And, and we mm-hmm. move in just one one last example. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You took a big <laughs> breath, like you're about to say something. But just one more example is, you know, in the Old Testament, the, the, the punishment for adultery was stoning. Yeah. And then, you know, you move to the New Testament and you have a woman caught in adultery, brought to Jesus. Yeah. And they're you know, rabbi, tell us what, you know, what should we do? I mean, they're all ready to stone her and she's Mm -hmm. fully expecting to be stoned and, and Jesus doesn't. And Mm -hmm. and she's, she's not stoned. So that to me, you know, both of those examples are just a couple of examples of what I perceive as a direction in the scripture. um, So that the, there, it's not like a static biblical morality, even within the scripture itself. Yeah. And I, and, and and I, I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. And I also think that along with the direction of the scripture, there is a direction of God's people that is also moving forward. So you see this Old Testament God who is, I know people could use the word barbaric, but that's also sort of where the people were at at the time. And to be able to meet them where they're at gives them a better understanding or, no, understand might be the right word, a, a better acceptance of who that who God is. Well, and, and we absolutely, absolutely are going to talk about divine violence as a right as a whole episode or Old Testament views of God as an entire episode. But one, the only thing I'll say about that is I really like what you said about you know this was sort of a reflection of of the people yeah. and of that time. And, you know, I I wonder when we talk about that, I really want to talk about, you know, how much of our view of God in the Old Testament was 
you know, Israel's view of God in the Old Testament yeah. as opposed to sort of objective reality of God in the Old Testament. But we again, that's like a whole episode because there's so many just really intense passages mm-hmm. in the Old Testament that quite frankly, um, you could ignore them, but you know, people will love Christians, will love to not not all, I'm sort of painting with a broad brush. In fact, I am. But you know, we'll we'll point at the Quran or, or or some other text and we'll say, oh, look how violent that is, and look at what they say do to infidels and right. things like this. Well, you need to spend some time in Numbers. Like right. you need to spend some time in Judge. Spend some time in the Old Testament. And anyway, we, we can definitely deal with that. But but I do think that um, the, you certainly see different. You, you certainly see God differently or, or mm-hmm. could perceive God differently from Old Testament to New Testament. Yeah, and, and you know, that that's the direction of, I think, at that point, that's God meeting um, meeting them where they were at, and then now there, there's growth because you go from there, and as you said, that, like, specifically on slavery, like, things, you know, got better. They didn't, obviously, didn't go away, but it got better, and, and then you see, you know, you see Jesus come in, and you have, the, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, and it's like, whoa, it's this whole new take. Now there's, there's grace and mercy and love, you know, love your enemies. Right. And, and then like, that's all, that's a, it's a new concept. I mean, not re- not really, but also yes, at the same time, because old Testament God's like, well, you go crush all these people because <laughs> right. they're in the way. Um, but I, but I, I think that it's like, okay, at this point, and this is, this is my opinion and like making an attempt to understand what God could have potentially been thinking at the time, but it's like, all right, I'm meeting you where you're at, which is an example, which I think is how we should be with people now. It's like you, you have an idea of meeting them where they're at right, and then growing with them. And so God is, though he didn't need the growth, is is with them, growing them to that point. And then Jesus comes in, he's like, okay, you have grown to this point where now these lessons are going to become, a, the, the direction goes you know, to the right instead of, you know, in the direction it was going, because this is where you need to be now. We I've grown with you, I've developed with you, I've given you this understanding of of respect, of the power that I have. And then now this is where you really need to be so that, you know, we, we can you can have this greater understanding of how loving and caring and, and, and also how compassionate I am. Um and and I think that's important to understand because it's God was also that God in the Old Testament, he was also loving and compassionate and, you know, forgiving. It just, it doesn't look like it because that's not really what's shown all the time, right? Um, and then you, you get in the New Testament, it's like, oh, wow, God is so merciful and, and, and loving. And, and I, I don't necessarily think that God changed. I just think that now he's like, okay, this is the direction we really need to be going now that we have an understanding of, and this is talking about biblical people, the, the biblical times right. of 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 you know, where God really wanted them to be. And, and yet again, that's, that's my opinion and, and how I, what I would like, I think for, you know, maybe God to have been trying to, to, you know, to say. Right. And again, I, I really think it warrants an entire episode, but just since we keep kind of coming back to these, uh, you know, pictures of, of, of God in the old Testament, I would say this, that I would say, if you really read some of these stories, you know, if you read these stories about, you know, God's anger just spilling over because all the women and children were not put to the sword, mm-hmm. right? Um, I would say that you have to do 
some significant justifications and gymnastics, or at least I do, or I did, <laughs> right, to reconcile that with God is love, right? Mm-hmm. That this was actually the loving thing to do to these women and children was, you know, to have them murdered. Um, so I, I, I just want to acknowledge that there, that is some really, really turbulent theological water. Oh right yeah. There. Oh, definitely. Okay. Definitely. It, I would say it's not easily reconciled. So please don't think that w- whether it's, you know, my perspective or Roman's perspective, that is not something that's easily reconciled. So let's, we, we can put a pin in that. One of yes. my favorite yes, definitely. <laughs> phrases, we can put a pin in that one <laughs> and we'll get back to it. But I do love, I love how you brought up the Sermon of the Mount because I don't think, I almost wonder, you know, did, did Jesus pick the Mount on purpose because you have sort of these, these mountains, you have Mount Sinai mm-hmm. and then you have, you know, Jesus in the, uh, in the, the 10 cities region, you know, the, near the Decapolis oh, yeah. where, where he's, uh, preaching and he does, you know, it's, it's amazing how he calls back to the 10 commandments. You know, mm-hmm. he says, you know, you, you've heard it said, you know, don't commit adultery, right? You've heard it said, don't murder. But I tell you, and he sort of takes it to an entirely different level. Yeah. You know, whereas you have these these Ten Commandments that are primarily focused on action, not not exclusively, mm-hmm. but primarily focused on action. Don't do this. Don't do this. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Yeah. He sort of takes it to this next level and 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 really gets to the heart of the matter and to the motivations where it's like, look, when we're talking about morality here. It's not just about whether you do or don't do the right thing or the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Morality is more than that. Biblical morality is more than that. Right. Biblical morality, according to Jesus, goes straight into your heart and to whatever is sort of the first step. What is the first step towards murder? And Jesus says it's saying this guy's a fool, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, or, or what, what is the first step towards adultery? Well, first you have to be like, man, she look, you know, you, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's lust. It's whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's the, you know, Jesus is trying to bring it all the way back to, to the Genesis of, of, of morality, mm-hmm. which to me becomes way, way more important, um, than because it's it's hard to draw lines in that because they're they're unseen. Sure, they're all internal. It's much easier to regulate action. Right. No. Absolutely. And, and you know because I can, you know, I, I can tell you what I think you're doing wrong if I see you doing it wrong. Um, and you know, I, I said once I don't even remember which. Maybe was it even the first episode or maybe the second one was the was like I said I didn't I wasn't a fan of the death penalty, and. I'm not, we're not going to do a, a podcast right now. Or we're not going to do an episode on, on, on the death penalty right now. But, I mean, I think it falls really, I think it falls well into this morality concept is, you know, is the death penalty okay? And, um, you know, I, I look directly at the Sermon of the Mount, the, the idea of loving your enemies um, or an eye for an eye, you know. And, um, you know, I, I find it so interesting that, you know, I look at the sermon or I read the Sermon on the Mount and a lot of the things seem like a duh, like, oh, duh, that makes sense. 
you know, why, why wasn't this thought of before? Why wasn't this, you know, why does, why does Jesus need to have this conversation anyway? And, you know, I, you could say that it was specifically for the people that he was talking to, or you could say that, that a professor um, in college say that you need, there's going to be times when you read the scripture that you need to take it very personally. Like the writer is writing this to you. Like Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount to you. And, all right, so what out of this, you know, I mean, like we need all of it, but like in particular, is there something going on in my life that I, this is really what I need right now? I need to see this. Um, not, not because, you know, I'm actually going to go out and murder someone, but because in my heart I'm hating them. Right. And, and does Jesus think that all of these, is Jesus trying to tell all these people that you have all that you're like, all of you are morally like awful? I don't think so. I don't think that Jesus is telling, you know, I don't think when I read the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus is telling me that I'm awful at all of these things. And just because that maybe I'm not great at one or two of these that morally now I'm not good. I don't necessarily think that's the case. You have a hat that says good. I do have a hat that says good on. Which <laughs> Sorry, that's just... No, it makes me it makes me good. Uh, just a little <laughs> bit more than... No, not really. But, I mean, it's, it, is, it is so interesting that I, you know, when thinking about morality, my first thought is, okay, there, you know, there are good people and there are bad people, but where's that line at? Is it, you know, are they, you know, they... Do they do like four or five bad things? Oh, let's or? camp. Let's camp out there for a while. There are good people and there are bad people. I mean, that's what I. Th- the reason why um, I might even bristle a little bit just about the concept of morality is that I would always. My first question would be, well, whose morality? Who's who's drawing these lines? Mm-hmm. And 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 again, I think maybe the the knee jerk answer is, well, it's. It's coming from the scripture. It's coming from the scripture. Right. But I would say if you look over time, what you see in in greater Christendom is that morality has sort of just turned into a list of of things, a list of items, a list of activities, ma- mainly a list of prohibitions. Right. Sure. Yeah. In fact, there's a around here in in southeastern Virginia, there's a group of street preachers. And whenever there's a big crowd of people, which in COVID there's like no big crowds of people, but if you ever right. go to like a concert or, or any anything where there's going to be thousands of people, they show up mm-hmm. and they have their sign and they they have their list of sort of of sins. They have their their biblical morality list, right? Right. They have the list of of essentially the sins that are going to send you to hell, and it's it's you know eight or ten items long, and. Whenever I I see that, first of all, I can tell you that there's I haven't witnessed when I've seen them. I haven't witnessed a whole lot of conversions right. on the spot. I'll no, just no way point point that out. <laughs> um, but I think that a lot of times morality gets used like that to where it's more of, well, I am the good person, not just because I'm wearing a hat that says good, but I'm, (laughs) I'm good. I'm the moral person because I don't do the things that are on this list, the things that are on my list, whatever this list. And I'm purposefully not telling you the things on the list. You got to use your imagination, right? Right. But the bad people are the people who do the things on this list. So that's, that's how we know who Mm -hmm. is good and who is bad from a moral standpoint. 
And I find that very problematic mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. For one, I think that's essentially what was happening in the first century, what the Pharisees were doing. They had sort of drawn a circle around themselves and said, we are the good ones because yeah. we're, you know, we're tithing, we're, you know, we're praying, we've got the scripture memorized, we, we're sort of doing all these things, we're giving the right sacrifices, we're doing all these things. And then the the immoral people, the the bad people are the, the the sinners, the everybody else, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the mm-hmm. you know, the drunkards, the whatever, the people who they grouped Jesus in with, right? The people who they couldn't believe he was spending his time with. Mm-hmm. Those were the you know the quote unquote bad people. Yeah, and and I think that that's why I really try to lean on just just scripture for my morality because if I don't, I leave room for my own bias and the things that I have experienced that I may have had a problem with, but it's just a me thing, you know, like, um, like for instance, they're like my dad, he doesn't like dogs. He hates dogs because a chihuahua bit him in the ankle when he was like 15 or something like that, which is ridiculous. That's a weird story. I know it is. So he's listening to this at some point and I'm not sorry. Uh, but so, but I love dogs and um, my dad would not want a dog in his house because he's afraid of them. Um, he doesn't like dogs. So am I? do I think he's a bad person because he doesn't like dogs? Or does he not like me because I like dogs? Is it it's based off his opinion or based off my opinion? And if I start getting into my opinion, then that's where I think things can get really washy and, and the, the lines are really weird because then we get into relativism and... That's a scary. That's a scary place to be. I think because I believe in absolute truths. I believe that there are things that are always true all the time. And if I don't believe that, I mean, especially biblically, then you know I'm one of those like lukewarm Christians that like I'll ride the fence or I'm wishy washy and I'm back and forth. And and then how can I expect anyone? Or how can I expect a disciple? How can I expect to, you know, say, hey, these are my actual beliefs. This is my this is my faith. These are the 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 foundations of of or the cornerstone. Thank you, Mike, for your sermon. You know, the the other Sunday. This is the cornerstone on 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 which my faith is founded. And you know, if I can say that all of that is based out of Scripture, then I I have a leg to stand on. But if I don't, if I if I use all these other things, then I become. I don't know. I just become a th- no. Like you a get where I, I get it. I get the discomfort there. But you said something, you know. So it's it's absolute truth. So what was was polygamy wrong when it was when it was Abraham? Was polygamy wrong? You know, when 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 Hagar was given to him by his wife mm-hmm. to be his second wife. Was polygamy wrong when it was? Jacob was polygamy wrong when it was David when it was Solomon was slavery wrong then I mean if it's true and if it's always true then it's always true or is it true and it's always true but it's only always true after Jesus came and left or is it true and is it always true but it's only true after we have the full revelation of the New Testament I guess that's all I'm trying to do is push back just a little bit no, sure. on that concept of, because uh, believe me, I love I love the idea of absolute truth as a North Star that we could just, 
um, you know, just look to it and, and we could guide by it. But I think if we're, um, if we, if we do look at the scripture, we will see, and if we look at the history of the church, we can see there are, there are truths that the church, I mean, the, the, the church, uh, supported and I'm not, I won't get into denominationally how this worked, but the, the church believed and, and, and biblically supported segregation right and anti-miscegenation in other words non-marriage between races mm -hmm. right and, and that's something i think you and i would agree now is is not was 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 not the, the church would have said that was immoral right right now i don't mean monolithically but there were very loud voices within the church and mm -hmm. splits and and, and divisions and entire groups of denominations that right. took these positions biblically based. Sure. Right. So I guess, you know, by saying that I, I'm saying that I, I'm, I, I want to be careful that we don't necessarily say just because something, just because we can't identify or, or the absolute truth or, or there's a little bit, there's something problematic with absolute truth and I can come up with examples. I don't think that necessarily means you're, you're a relativist and anything goes and my truth is my truth and right. your truth is your truth and nobody can define truth for any, anybody else. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think we necessarily have to go all the way down that slippery slope. Yeah. Um, when we're talking about, you know, what, what is truth? Which is a great question, which, you know, Jesus posed to Pilate, right? Right. And, and you know, the, the idea of absolute truth is, is a difficult one. I'm not trying to sit there and say that I think that it's, oh, here's absolute truth. Take it. There you go. Put it in your lunchbox. Go to work every day. You got it. No big deal. You know, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that that's, it's an easy concept. I think that that could be an episode in of itself. We've, yeah. we've come up with like four episodes. I know. In this, I mean, but we're, we're going to make it to double digits now, right. Roman. Yes. We're going to do it. We did it. Um, but I think um, that when when we get into you know the idea of, of, of truths and when we get into the idea of um, what are we basing our morality off of, yeah. I, I think of you know that specific question what what not not necessarily like who is your morality for? Maybe maybe that's maybe that's the better question. Is your is are you is your morality for the people around you? Is it for you? Is it for yeah? I mean, and and I and I, I think of Second Timothy two fifteen. I have it here pulled up. I'm just going to read it. It says, "Do you do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth." Yeah. And I think that if I start, well, okay, so I'm a millennial. I'm a snowflake, right? And I think are millennial snowflakes or is that Gen Z? I don't remember. We're all it doesn't matter to me, baby boomers. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets it. No, they don't. My true story. I'm I was playing flag football for the YMCA. I think I'm like ten or something like that. And my team technically lost the championship game, but they gave everybody a trophy. And my dad took mine and like threw it away and said, "You didn't win. You don't get a trophy." He said, "Listen here, snowflake." <laughs> I was I didn't I don't I I agree that is that is who I am though I don't think everybody deserves a trophy if you lose you lose it happens learn from it be better right next time be better next time I mean whatever 
Um, we're going to have to look closely at a couple of the parables because, uh, <laughs> you know, G- Jesus Jesus told some parables about, you know, giving out trophies to everybody, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Even the people only worked an hour, man. It was unfair. Totally unfair. Right. Well, you know, it is what it is. Um, but I, I think that when, when we're considering, you know, a lot of the times we, we do things based off the people that we're around or – you know, this desire that almost everybody has for approval. Yes. And, and so, you know, if, if, if I don't offend so-and-so or I don't offend this group of people, I'll be accepted. And therefore my view of whatever, you know, whatever moral position that I, that I'm deciding to take can easily be skewed by the, you know, the people I want to be accepted by. Sure. And I mean, personally, I struggle with that because, People aren't perfect and God is. And so if I base my thoughts on, if I base my, my moral positions on people, um, and not God, then I leave this room for error. And now there's always going to be error because it's me personally, but you know, I mean, certainly people are, people are flawed and we've talked about before institutions are flawed, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, you could say that too. You could say churches and whatever, but right. Right. But I guess what I'm thinking here is that sometimes Christians by, by just saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to go to the scripture. Um, they might, they might miss that, for instance, on a couple of these, I know I keep sort of hitting these issues, but like on, on issues like, like slavery or like, um, you know, segregation or integration Mm -hmm. or, or even how about, how about women's equality, women's right to vote or, or things like that, or, or discrimination, Mm -hmm. um, uh, gender equality on those issues. There have been times, many times where culture in society, which are groups of people, groups of flawed humanity have moved I would say ahead of where the critical mass of Christianity is oh, at yeah. least in American society. Absolutely. So in those situations, you actually have Christians using the Bible, using the scripture to sort of try to pull society backwards to places that I think you and I would agree now. Of course, I mean, hopefully most of the people listening here would agree now yeah. are not places we want to go. We don't want to go back you know, there may have been some wonderful things about black and white TV in the 1950s and Father Knows Best and sure. Leave it to Beaver and all these different shows. I watched it Nick at Night growing up. Andy Griffith. But segregation was not one of those good things. Right, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah, Andy Griffith solving everything in 30 minutes, man. <laughs> Ron Howard is a, is a cute little boy fishing. Right. Down in Mayberry. Oh, Opie. So, but but society is has moved forward mm-hmm. and and thankfully there have been voices in the church that saw that the that maybe the sections of the bible that were being used to defend mm-hmm. some of these positions yeah that that wasn't the only way to look at scripture no definitely there not. were other provisions that taught like the sermon on the mount talking about love for enemies yeah, right absolutely. talking about love for god and love for others mm-hmm. you know you could yes are there scriptures that that arguably support slavery or support the institution of scra- slavery in scripture yes but there's the story of philemon right yeah. the book of philemon and the story of onesimus mm-hmm. i mean you have these examples in scripture that could move you in a different direction and so it's sort of easy or it's easier to look backwards and to see areas where 
Christianity was sort of stuck yeah. in things that now we would agree that it, that it would be immoral, mm-hmm. um, or I don't know if that's even the right word, but that prohibiting to, you know, an African-American person from marrying a Caucasian person or any other, you know, mix of races yeah, yeah, yeah. that, that, that loved each other and that were, he wanted to get married, that that would be wrong. It would just be wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. But there was a time when, when Christians used scripture, used biblical Christianity and biblical morals yeah. to say that wasn't, and, and it was part of the laws of the land and everything like that. So I think when we look backwards, we can see that, but maybe the struggle is to look here and now, because for some reason, well, I know the reason it's because we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. Yeah. We're supposed to be, you know, ambassadors for Christ. We're, we're people, we're foreigners in exile. There's all these different metaphors in the scripture. Yeah. And so I think Christians at some level expect persecution and expect to be out of step with society. But I think perhaps we need to, again, have just a little bit of humility and recognize that, Hey, We've got a lot of examples in the rearview mirror of where society was actually ahead of us in terms of morality. Oh, sure. Now, I'm not saying that everything society does is, or, or, or everything that society elevates, yeah. like greed and consumerism and all these other kinds of things, that mm-hmm. those, or violence, that those things would be bi- biblical. Right. I'm not painting, you know, c- completely. Um, you know, I'm not broad brushing society, but I'm just saying there are some examples there. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and to say that society is always wrong, I think is, I mean, you, it's a really bold statement that I don't know that it would be very difficult to back up, especially like you were saying over time. And, and I, and I do think that when I, I say that I, I use, I use the Bible and that's what I base my morality off of. And, and I, I want to, I guess I should be very careful when I say that, I, I use the Bible, but I use it with as much understanding of the time, of the author, of the audience, of of what is happening in that moment. Yes. And and, and not just like we talked about these hermeneutic tools when we were so yes. I'm so glad we did that scripture episode before yeah. this one because I think it's so vital to understand that there are way there are multiple ways to look at it. Some people are taking it literal, some people are looking at it, you know, in a, in in a, a more of a, a a moral sense, more more of a what is the story? What what are we trying to say here? Right. And obviously the greatest commandment is to love God with everything that you are and love people. And you know, and like I've said, Philippians chapter two, you got to value others, elevate others above yourself. I mean, like those things seem to, you know, directly state or seem to even directly, more directly go into the the idea of slavery being something that's probably not the best. You know, right. how can you elevate a slave more than you if they're a slave? Um, that doesn't make sense, but whatever. That, that's, I'm, that's, that's, a, that's another topic for another day, but, but you know, th- there's got to be a, an, a genuine understanding of scripture and this and the essence of the scripture and what's being written and what's being happening behind the word, what's happening behind the words. Um, you have to know more than that to be able to just say, I use the Bible because if you're just like, if you're just one of those people that, and, and this, I say one of those people, not lightly because I used to be, you know, like growing up and even sometimes still, you know, I, I, I become lazy and I'm just like, all right, the Bible says that cool, whatever. I'm not really going to get into it. I don't really have a desire because a lot of work, and I don't really feel like doing that. I mean, work needs to be done. You know, you have to put whatever you're going to get out of it is, is what you're going to get it is what you're going to put into it, right? And so, if you want to get truth out of it, you better be willing to actually be seeking truth when you're looking for it. 
Yeah, I, I, I like that. I like, um, you know, focusing on how we read the scripture, focusing on the scripture and not just not just the, the literal words, yes, reading it, understanding the mm-hmm. literal words, but under, uh, also understanding but what, is, what, is the, what is the point here? Yeah. What, what is the takeaway from this story? Is this story actually applying a message mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that morally, you know, that if I'm going to try to extract morality from here, so like if I, if I read the story about Abraham and Sarah and Hagar, like what, what morality do I pull from there? Do I pull that, you know, if I'm not, if my wife and I are not able to conceive that, you know, she should bring a friend over, right? Like, I'm not sure that that's the right moral, yeah. uh, you know, lesson from that. Or, or even how about what Sarah does to Hagar, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. She, she casts her out, uh, casts her away to die in the desert, right? But God comes and sees her. And and that that I mean, there, there's there's so many moral lessons in that story that don't don't have anything to do with the polygamy and don't have anything to do with it. it there, mm-hmm. There's there's morality and there's lessons to be learned in that story, but they don't. My point just of that example is they don't necessarily jump out from sort of the first thing that you're seeing in the story. Right. The, the Bible doesn't necessarily have to be an example of of good morals. It could be bad morals. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there definitely are, are things to be learned and to be taken from these stories. One other point I wanted to make, Roman, is, and I think I started to go down this path just a little bit earlier, is that we've talked about ways in which churches divide themselves up in oh, the yeah. past, right? Yeah. Yep. And I think that morality is one of those, is one of those ways. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the, the list of things that can be done and can't be done, you know, like if let's just so it's more comfortable to talk about, you know, let's go back, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years where, you know, you had th- these conservative evangelical churches and, you know, they, they had a list of things that, uh, you know, you weren't, you know, you weren't supposed to be playing cards, right? Right. You, yeah. You weren't, weren't supposed to be, uh, there's no mixed bathing, well, you couldn't have a kitchen in the building. Like. Well, no, no, well, th- we we can get into some cra- <laughs> we can get into some stuff that's just really off the reservation. But right. some of those things, right? I mean, yeah. there's there's no smoking, drinking, swearing. I mean, there's there's a no PG thirteen movies. No, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, right. so there's all these uh, different markers that I think that's one danger of of drawing lines mm-hmm. where you said before where we don't have any biblical instruction or direct biblical instruction but certainly people people draw their own lines oh yeah for for some people i don't know maybe um you know maybe you know if they had gone square dancing (laughs) as uh, you know in in gym you know there's there's like their parents needed to to not sign off on the square dancing because that would have led them down the wrong path oh right right yeah but but seriously i mean maybe i don't know for some people maybe it is the you know the pg-13 movie or or some of those things that i just think about from my youth from growing up the things that were markers of oh wait okay you don't get to see that you don't go to a uh, uh, you know, to a to a prom or to a dance or oh, okay, so that that's that's your markers, and I think those things become almost more important because they're tribal identifiers mm. than they are truly about morality. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's like the joke. I won't insert the sort of denominational um, marker in this joke, but it's the joke. You know, uh, why do 
you know, X denomination, why, why are they against premarital sex? Mm. And the answer is because they're scared it might lead to dancing. Oh. <laughs> Which, That's, you know, I mean, it's funny. Well, but, but the point, the point is that, you know, you can sort of major in minors oh, absolutely. on, okay, yeah. well, is this a marker of who we are as Christians mm-hmm. when it could have absolutely no biblical basis or mm-hmm. at least an attenuated biblical basis where, whereas there are some things that, that are, I would say much more clear in scripture when we talk about how to treat other people around us. And, mm-hmm. and like you said, loving God and loving other people. Yeah. So as we, as we start to wrap up, we're almost at an hour now and I think there's going to be a part two. I think that we, there needs to be a part two. Cause I think there's, I mean, this could be, there could be a part 37 at some point, right? I mean, no, but we'll cut it off at a part two. We'll cut it off at a part two, but I mean, there's other things like, I don't know, like the Holy Spirit that I'd like to talk about a little bit. I, I think that um, the idea of, you know, them, him guiding us into morale, or the, I say him, it guiding us into morality and, 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 and several other things that I, I think, you know, we can get into as far as morality. Is. I mean, I'm not going to try to get into any major ones, um, you know, like the LGBTQ community, because I think we want to have a whole episode on that at some point. Sure. And, and absolutely. But I, I think there's more things and, and, you know, this is good discussion. I mean, I like the fact that we have different perspectives on this, but I think we can become unified in the sense of, you know, the idea of trying to come to a conclusion of, of, you know, how can we best love God and love other people? Well, I think in, in just seeking, seeking morality, seeking sure. right living, seeking to do the right thing. I mean, that's what we're really talking about. And yeah. I think both of us are passionate about that. Mm-hmm. Both of us are passionate about determining the right thing to do and using the right markers and indicators in order to do that. Okay, mm-hmm. if we're going to use scripture, how do we use it? How does it work? Yeah. If there's all these examples of people using scripture very badly to define morality, are there better ways to look at scripture and to still use it as a moral guide? Yep. I mean, just maybe as a little bit of a teaser for next week. I mean, I definitely want to talk about this concept. There was I had a friend years ago who sort of turned me on to viewing things this way. I think sometimes probably should have started out with this, but we'll definitely let's <laughs> dive into it. You It'll know, be a starting point for next week. Yeah, let's dive into it starting off next week. But the, there's certainly a way of looking at at morality there's even this phrase the morality police right oh yeah where it's like well what is morality well it's it's basically god trying to you know block us from doing enjoyable things mm. right like like it well it's it's all these lists of things it's a list of things you can't do or shouldn't do because they're just wrong but i would like for us to explore you know if we really lean into this concept as of god as our creator mm-hmm. and of us being created in in the image of God. So mm-hmm. as image bearers of God, if God truly is and was our creator, doesn't God know? Doesn't God know what is going to lead to a more abundant life for us and what mm-hmm. will inhibit that more abundant life? Yeah. So I think uh, you know I, I I'd love to start there next week because there's this whole concept throughout the wisdom literature about life and death and it's not actually talking about you know whether you're breathing or whether you're under the ground yeah it's this concept of there are different ways to live there's people who live 
and they're still breathing, but they are dead inside. Yeah. And they would tell you that. And then there's people who are maybe on the verge of death and they are really living. Mm-hmm. And so I want us to talk about how next week, how morality can help us sort of chart a course toward the more abundant life that mm-hmm. Jesus talks about, yeah. you know, that I think the scripture talks about that the, we can talk more about the direction scripture's going, mm-hmm. man, you're right. There is a lot, there's a lot more we can get to. Yeah. It's going to be good. So yeah. Thank you guys so much for, for listening this week. Um, if you would, I haven't, I haven't done this yet, but if you would, you know, you could subscribe or follow or give us, you know, give us a, a rate four, three, two, one. I don't know how many stars. Uh, five. Five, five, five would be preferable, <laughs> but Four, three, two, one. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it, it just it, it helps us um, actually kind of just know where you know we we, we can do better. Um, if there's if there's you know we we appreciate all feedback, um, and so we look forward to next week talking a little bit more about morality. Um, thank you guys so much for being with us now, and uh, have a blessed week.